0: Stoveleg Media, igniting conversation.
1: Welcome to the eighty-third episode of the Pooling Tart Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Bobby Kuhn. This week, we're still giving our minor league baseball front office members a little break as they just wrapped up the season. So I'm going to chat with a loyal listener, Jason Bond. Jason is also an AHL off-ice official. Um, so minor leagues in, in the hockey world there. Um, make sure to go back and listen through the catalog, folks. Um, 82 other fantastic episodes. Um, so many different Backgrounds and stories that are shared back there. So go check that out. There's something for everyone. Uh, if you want a shout out, I I really want to give some shout outs. So um so do this, uh, drop a rating and comment on Apple Podcasts. That's that little purple icon on your phone that already came there. You didn't download it or anything. If you leave a rating and comment, that helps drive us up the charts and turns more people into members of the TARP crew. I know um, it's been a little while now, but in case you missed it, I finally decided to make a designated Twitter account for the podcast, so go ahead and follow that at PullingTARP Pod. That's where you can find all up-to-date news about the Pulling TARP podcast and reach out to come on as a guest um businesses can also reach out there as well to become sponsors Um, and you can always still follow me on twitter at it's r a coon that's i-t-s-r-a-c-o-o-n with that being said let's chat with jason bond Jason, welcome on to the Pulling Tart Podcast. Uh, Really glad that we can make this time work. Um, So, I know you're an off-ice official for the AHL. Not a big hockey fan, I'm going to be honest with you. What exactly is an off-ice official?
0: It's really interesting. Um, There's actually a couple different positions. Um, Obviously, if you watch a hockey game and you see... The guy who sits behind the goal and turns the red light on when they score, Uh that's an off-ice official. Um, The guy working in the penalty box that opens the door and closes the door is an off-ice official. Hmm. Um, We also have a a set of stats guys that are, you know, whether they're charting who's on the ice when goals are scored for the stats, who's taking shots, who's serving penalties.
1: You know, Hmm. there's actually about eight different positions throughout the crew that we can all kind of bounce around to and
0: Hmm. you know i've been doing it now for gosh 15 seasons wow i've I've probably done every job along the line and you know there's some that are more fun than others like nobody really wants to be sitting upstairs doing stats all day but um you know the the guys who get the glory are the guys who are working in the gold judge box and working in the penalty box hobnobbing with the players but you know it's all part of the game and it's all it's been a really fun experience to it's almost just like minor league baseball to be able to watch yeah. guys come to America when they're not known by anybody and make a big scene and sure. all of a sudden three or four years later they're NHL all-stars and it's just amazing to see
1: that's cool that's cool um yeah I'm I'm not a huge hockey fan I'll explain why here i grew i grew up in williamsport pennsylvania and um just not a big hockey town there's there's no ice rinks um but so i i interned for the minor league baseball team there the williamsport Crosscutters, and there were some rumblings in the front office that the mayor was trying to put a um I don't even know what you call. It. Like I guess you it would be like along the same lines as like an independent like baseball team but it was a hockey team. Like so it wasn't minor league, it wasn't AHL or anything like that. Um but he was trying to get a team to Williamsport and I was like, "Well, that sounds cool, but we don't have an ice rink. So how's that going to work?" Well, they they went into like put the city into like a couple million dollars worth of debt to build a hockey rink on the baseball diamond. And the team lasted until the all-star break where they were leading the standings in the league. And then the team folded. So, so, uh, so yeah, they were playing all their home games outside. Like there were some games that were like snowed or sleeted out, um, so just, I, I did go to, uh, quite a few Rockford Ice Hogs games when I was out there in, um, Beloit though. So those, those were super fun. Um, they had like one of the best deals. Like it was from the moment gates open to the end of the first period on Wednesdays, I think it was, it was like dollar hot dogs and dollar beers. So that was nice. Yeah. I, en- yeah,
0: I enjoyed that. What years were you in Beloit again? Uh,
1: 2013 to 2017.
0: Okay, so they were definitely AHL by then because yeah. when I first started, Rockford was a league below us. Oh, really? And they were the team that we pulled guys up from. Mm-hmm. And then I think probably around 2007, 2008-ish maybe, um, they came into our league, so now they're our rival. And so it's been kind of awkward to go hey, we were, like, best friends a couple of years ago, but now we're yeah. trying to kill each other out on the ice.
1: You're with the Milwaukee Admirals. Okay. True
0: story. Yeah, I actually, I've worked with them now. Like I said, I think this is my 15th or 16th season. Yeah. Um, and it's really funny how I got involved because I moved back up here from Louisiana, and I really wanted to get a job with the team. So I went right to the team office, and I said, hey, like, I love hockey. I love you know, watching hockey, I played hockey for 14
1: years. Mm -hmm. What can I do to be, you know, to work with the team?
0: And they're like, well, to be honest, most of our stuff is either sales or internships. Uh And I, I'm awful at sales. Like I can't even sell myself to get out of bed half of the time. (laughs) And I'm like, sales isn't going to work it for me. And, you know, I was well past pretending to be a college intern. So, um, I just kind of, Put my tail between my legs, and I was like, Well, it was worth a shot. Mm-hmm. And then one day I was looking at the website and I found out that the guy who does the public address announcing worked at the same bank corporation that I worked at. Oh, cool. So I sent a really unethical email and I was like, Hey, man, like, I know, you know, you work with a hockey team. What can you do to kind of, you know, put in a good word for me to? you know, give me a gig with the team. And he's like, well, I'm actually best friends with the guy who runs the off-ice officials. And if you know hockey, if you played hockey, they can always use guys to do stats and stuff like that. And I'm like, you know, whatever it is, a foot in the door, Yeah. you know, I would love to have the opportunity. And they invited me out to a preseason game, and I kind of showed I, know, I knew what I was talking about, and I knew what a shot on goal was, and I wasn't, you know... Uh, a weirdo so you are like okay you know we'll we'll let you work some games and here it is 15 16 years later and you know it's been it's been a heck of a ride and it's just like like i said it's been amazing to be able to watch guys grow up right in front of your eyes and yeah you know all of a sudden they're nhl all-stars five years down the road and you were like I remember when that guy didn't even speak English. Like it was amazing.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's there's a couple guys like that now in the in the major leagues. Um, for for me personally, um, but yeah, that that's cool that there's like some similar, um, things you know in the world of hockey and minor league baseball, right? Um, like like you said, like it's all about getting your foot in the door. Um, you, you know, you send you send like some some kind of like. You said unethical emails, just like you know, just blind emails is what I call them. Just like reaching out and being like, "Hey, like here's my resume." Like that's how I got the job in Del Marva. Was I wanted to get out of Beloit? Um, Beloit was not the place to be at the time, and uh, just still isn't. Well, (laughs) yeah, I I suppose so. I want to get back there and visit, but um, yeah, I just sent was sending blind emails to uh, GMS. All over the East Coast, really, and um, the Shorebirds were one of the first to reach out. So um, that's how I that's how I got there. But um, it's yeah, it's all about networking and sticking your neck out and getting your foot in the door.
0: Yeah, it's all about just taking a chance. You never know, you know, when you're going to catch somebody on the right day, and they're going to go, "Hey, you know, I don't know this guy, but let's give him a chance." You
1: know, right? Um, working with minor league hockey, it's it's
0: so easy to go well what do i want to do in the summer well in the summer i like baseball too so i'm gonna go out and go look at some minor league baseball games sure and i think that's what's kind of brought me to you know be noticed by people like you and by
1: paul who was on the show last week Mm -hmm. and you know start building those friendships with
0: people that are out there you know just going to games randomly and putting together big trips and I think we all kind of get our cues from Ben Hill and Ben's biz from MILB.com when he would go on four- or five-day road trips and Mm -hmm. go to visit four or five different stadiums. And it was like, why can't I do that? And then you're like, wait, (laughs) I can do that. (laughs) Um, And it's been, you know, I've been going to minor league baseball games for about 10 years now, 10, 11 years. Okay. You know, I think it's amazing that I've been to – I think, like, 57 baseball stadiums in 10 years. Wow. That's But then nice I rate. look at people like Ben Hill. He's been to 180 or whatever he's been to. And it's like, yeah. you know, I haven't even scratched the surface to get to places where people like he him are at.
1: You know what the crazy thing is? Is that he gets paid for that. <laughs>
0: uh, exactly. <laughs> that. I'm out here spending my own dime. Right. Um, but, like, you know, on a summer night, you know, when the sun mm-hmm. is going down and the sunset's amazing. Where else would you rather be than a exactly. random baseball game between Fort Wayne and West Michigan? Yeah. Um, you know, to me, that's a perfect night. Like, you know, if I can, and I, when I travel, I do a lot of things with the same, whether it's I go on a big road trip to, you know, just one city or if I'm going to a couple cities. So, you know, mm-hmm. every new place I go, I'm looking for the best burger that I can find. Yes. You know, I've been to about thirty different zoos oh. during the time where I've traveled to go to baseball stadiums. So it's always fun to mix in, yeah. you know, spend the afternoon at the zoo, go grab a burger somewhere, and then go see baseball because that's just kind of you know the the routine for me once I get out on the road.
1: I am a sucker for a zoo though. As as a as an a, a grown adult with no uh, kids, like I I still love going to the zoo. So.
0: Yeah, I'm in the same boat, a 41-year-old guy with no kids wandering around a zoo going, I am really not the target audience here, but, you know, just kind of keep your head down. And it's it's fun to see, you know. And it, zoos can be just like minor league sports too because everyone does their setup differently, but you see things that are the same throughout yeah. the whole experience. So, um, and it's it's one of those things where every decent size city has a pretty decent zoo so right i kind of mix and match and go you know in 2014 i took a trip to toledo akron ohio columbus and fort wayne okay and i did four zoos and four baseball games in four days nice it was insane but it was really cool to see you know how how other teams do things and I think that was my first big trip that I took that I went, God, like it doesn't take a whole lot of planning to put something together like this. No. And to me, planning is half of the fun. Like if I can pull up five schedules of teams that are relatively close together and go, well, if I hit here on Thursday, I can go here on Friday. And like trying to put together the, the trip to begin with is half of the fun.
1: Yeah. Um, And, you know, you end up in places you never
0: thought you would be, like that Toledo-Akron-Columbus-Fort Wayne trip. Fort Wayne was just kind of a throw-in at the end because it was halfway home from Columbus. And I don't, you know, Fort Wayne, Indiana, who knows anything about Fort Wayne, Indiana. (laughs) But that ended up being the gem of the trip. Okay. Between between their stadium just being absolutely phenomenal. I've heard it's amazing. that single a stadium is on par with most triple a stadiums I've been to. Wow. Um, the people there were incredible. Um, they had an entire apple cart of foods that were just apple related. So I had apple crisp with ice cream and in a helmet, mm. which you can't get any better than that. Yeah. Um, and I think they also had something that was like a full size helmet with like four apple dumplings four scoops of ice cream and apple crisp on top of that but that was just i could not even fathom (laughs) trying to drive home after eating that so i stuck with the mini helmet and the apple crisp and you know like i said fort wayne was a throw-in to begin with and it ended up being the gem of the trip i actually loved it there and i've been back a couple times since
1: that's cool that's cool so let's go back to the zoo thing for a moment like so in your twitter bio it says that you are an orangutan whisperer.
0: Oh, boy. What
1: what does that mean exactly? It's
0: exactly what it says it is. I can whisper to orangutans. Um, the orangutan story with me goes back 15 years now. Um, 15, 16, 17 years, probably. Um, I was in my mid-20s I had just gone through my first like adult breakup and I was all depressed and miserable. And my dad was like, you know, maybe you should go to the zoo because sometimes the animals can like sense things and maybe you'll, you know, find a connection. I'm like, when did my dad start smoking pot? Like, (laughs) what are you even talking about? And he told me the story of like, when he was after a heart attack, He was in his hospital room, and he said these two same doves came and visited him several times every day, and he just felt like these two doves were coming to check on him. And I'm like, really, Dad? When did you start smoking pot? (laughs)
1: Um,
0: So I went to the zoo, and I was wandering around, and nothing was really, you know, sticking out as far as you know, like any magic connection. And all of a sudden, there was a baby orangutan who was like a year old and absolutely incredibly adorable Sure. and all of a sudden three hours later I was still stuck at the same exhibit huh. um, and one of the zoo um, volunteers came over to me and she's like he's really taking a liking to you like you come and visit him often and I'm like no this is the first time I've ever been here <laughs> um, so then it just got to be a thing where whenever I was kind of sad I would go to the zoo and all of a sudden I was at the zoo you know, Thanksgiving afternoon after the after the whole family thing. And, you know, there was a, a year I spent my Christmas day at the zoo hanging out with my little orangutan friend. Okay. And I think that's where my love of going to zoos kind of came from that is because I started going to other zoos to see other orangutans. Um and there seems to be something with me where I can lock eyes with an orangutan and they will literally follow me from one side of the exhibit to the other. Um, and some, one of my friends way back in the day was like, man, are you just whispering to these orangutans to get them to come hang out with you? And I'm like, I don't know, man, it's just something where you (laughs) can lock eyes with an animal like that and they can sense something and know that you're good people or something. But,
1: Mm, Um, that's pretty cool
0: that's been a huge reason for visiting a lot of zoos as well is just to kind of see how many orangutans like out there i can hang out with
1: that's cool that's cool have you so i'm gonna say right now like have you ever dated a zookeeper
0: i have not dated to bless my heart i've tried yeah um but uh
1: i'll tell you why not to try oh so um, being, you know, working in minor league baseball, you move to, you know, kind of smallish towns where you don't know anybody. Um, so I was on like dating websites, you know, all the time back, back before, before I I met my wife. And, um, so I was on Tinder, I think. Um, and I matched with this girl. turns out she was a zookeeper at, at the local, at the local zoo. And, i i was like okay cool i like i like zoos i like animals um and so we went out on a couple dates and we started talking and and you know we were at dinner and uh she said uh do you have any pets? And I was, I was like, I was like, no, I I love animals. Um, but I, I work too much to, to have a pet right now. Um, I, I do like dogs a lot though. And she's like, oh, cool. That's cool. That's cool. And I was like, I was like, what about you? Do you have any pets? And she's like, yeah, I have a snake and a, and a ferret. And I was like, the, those are the worst two animals. Like you could have, possibly said like uh, right and so we we ended up going out a couple more times but it was very short-lived so i was just like yeah i can't, I can't get down with that like those are the worst animals you could have possibly said like, right
0: i had an next girlfriend who we would stay with her parents and they had like some sort of snake animal and it was like i don't even like sleeping in this house though knowing that thing can just get,
1: get out, out of this the cage, cage.
0: eat me in the middle of the night
1: right Oh my god! Like,
0: no thanks. Like that should have been my red flag right exactly. there. Exactly. Should have been at that point.
1: Exactly. Oh man. So so you live in West Allis, which is a suburb of Milwaukee. Um, right. So you you go to a decent amount of Snappers games, right?
0: I wouldn't call it a decent amount. Um, I've been there a handful of times over the last five years. Um, but it really made me laugh when Paul was talking about going to opening day in the the year he was there. Um, and he was excited for opening day and excited to see like, you know, the red, white, and blue banners all around and stuff like that. And then he showed up and there was like 150 people there.
1: That's being generous, but yeah.
0: That's being, yeah, exactly. And that was opening day too. Like, I've always just. There, there used to be – I haven't been to the new stadium yet. Okay. It's on, it's on my, my bucket list for next summer. Um, but the atmosphere at Snappers games was just absolutely dead to me. Mm. Like, I would m- almost rather go to, like, a high school game than a Snappers game because, you know, it was – whether it was the, the the no crowd there, like, they don't do a whole lot of promotions there that make it like a – fun minor league atmosphere and yeah you know black their hearts for trying like there are people there you know on the promotions team and whatnot but it just seems like the fans couldn't care less and one of my friends was trying to explain it to me once and she's like you know this is just you know all the areas around Beloit and Janesville are just farm communities so this is just like farmer Joe coming out and sitting on his hands for a couple of hours to watch baseball, and it was like, I, I didn't really. I've the, the, I, I never understood why they didn't have a fan base there, you know, because between Rockford, Janesville, and right. Boyd, it's pretty decent sized cities. Yeah. you think that there was a reason to go to a game, people would go, but they could just never draw a crowd there.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: and with the new stadium, you know, hopefully that's going to, you know, spark some interest here hopefully. and there. But, you know, when I look at teams that were lost when they contracted 20 teams, you know, last year, I'm like, how did Beloit survive the cut? And obviously, I think the new stadium was one of the reasons that they probably did survive the cut.
1: That's literally the only reason they survived right. the cut. Yeah, um, makes sense. I mean, King County probably would have kept their affiliation if, if Beloit didn't get a new stadium. Um, yeah. and, and it's really a testament to, to Quint Studer, um, for coming in there. Cause I mean, I, so I was with Delmarva from 2007, well, 2018 season. To, uh, I don't know. I was there for three years anyways, but the, the, um, the GM there who will be a guest on this podcast eventually, he told me like, when I got there, he said, "He said, when I interviewed for the Beloit general manager position 20 years ago, and they were talking about a new stadium then, and I was just like, oh, gosh, yeah, like, they're not even close now when I I got to Delmarva. So, um, yeah, and then, like, as far as you were talking about, like, they don't plan promotions, like, we purposefully did not plan any promotions in April and May, um, because we just knew, like, there was not going to be anybody that that came out right. honestly um yeah i mean trust me everybody that was that was there with me we put our heart and soul um into everything we did um to to make it worthwhile um this, there's just some things that are out of your control i mean beloit right. beloit is between rockford and madison in milwaukee so like you don't get a ton of press um that, that come out to those games sure. um but but uh damn if we didn't try right <laughs> um, exactly yeah like i said bless yeah. the hearts
0: of the people that are out there you know when it's you know it's, it's easy to be excited about the first couple weeks of the season um even though there's a chance you could have a snow out for the first month of the season mm-hmm.
1: um, which we did but, a know, couple know. times <laughs>
0: right exactly um but, you know, when it gets to be August and the team's out of the pennant race, like,
1: yeah, I it's... can't even
0: imagine how difficult it is to show up for games when there's it's 180 people there. I was there for a Thursday afternoon game, and it was a school day game. So they brought kids from school, mm-hmm. and there were actually, like, four or 500 kids there Okay, for the first six innings. Once the kids left to go back to school, there were probably 10 people there.
1: Yeah, And exactly. it was
0: like, uh, how do you get excited to, if you're a player even, How do you get excited to play when, you know, there's nobody here? Like for me, my love of baseball started with Louisiana State University.
1: Oh, okay. Um,
0: And they're one of those schools that they have.
1: They're so good.
0: They have the stadium that for a division one college team, they're pulling in like 13,000 fans a night. Mm -hmm. Um, And then. Imagine being a star in LSU where you're playing in front of thirteen thousand, and then you get drafted by
1: at that time you know, whatever,
0: whatever team holds the Snappers affiliation, and then you're playing for hundred and fifty people. Like it's got to be such a bizarre existence to, you know, go from one thing to the other. But um, you know, you know, you, you're obviously hoping to not be there for a long time, so you might as well just make the most of what you can.
1: Yeah. I mean, there were guys, um, I remember a guy named Trent Gilbert who had just went and won a College World Series with, I think, Arizona State at that time. And, and yeah, I mean, he, he went from playing in front of thousands of people, um, you know, tens of thousands of people, um, winning a College World Series, and then getting drafted by Oakland and going to Beloit um so where where our average was like 900 fans which you know right you're you're really talking about like a couple like you're talking about like maybe 10 really good nights and the rest of them are all like a couple hundred people so yeah
0: exactly yeah um and speaking of the college world series um for anyone who's a fan of minor league baseball if you have the opportunity to get to Omaha for the College World Series, I absolutely one hundred percent recommend it.
1: Okay,
0: um, it's it's such an amazing event. It's a little dried down now that it's in a downtown venue. That's kind of cookie cutter and stuff like that.
1: Okay, um,
0: I really wish that I would have had the opportunity to go to Rosenblatt
1: mm-hmm. when it
0: was part of the neighborhood community. Right. You know, ten or ten years ago, or whatever, however long that's been gone now.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, but a couple of years, 2017, I took a chance and I said, you know what? I think LSU's got a good team this year. Um, there was a bus company called Megabus yeah. that promised, like, the first ten tickets on every bus they sell were sold for a dollar. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, in March of that year, when the tickets went on sale, I bought a ticket from Chicago to Omaha for a $2 round trip.
1: That's so crazy. And I'm like,
0: I'm going to put my money on LSU. You know, $2, you know, big whoop if I did. If they don't go, no big deal. Um, but LSU made the College World Series that year. Mm-hmm. And then, for some reason, I don't know why, but I picked the second weekend. So LSU had to win a couple games to make it to the weekend that I was going to go to Omaha. Um, and they they went out the first game of the College World Series and they lost. And that's a double elimination tournament. And I'm like, oh, God, like, they're going to have to win, like, three or four games in a row just to make it to the day to the games that I'm going to be there for. Okay. And sure enough, they did it. And it was funny because of the, the last game they played – to make it to where I was going to be there. They played on a Wednesday night. They won pretty easily. But my bus from Omaha left at like 6 o'clock the next morning. Mm-hmm. And it was either I'm going to if, – if they win, I'm going to Omaha in eight hours. Or if they lose, I'm scratching the entire Omaha plan. Right. Sure enough, LSU won that game. And they were matched up against Oregon State back when they had Adley Rushman, which – I don't understand why he's still in the minor leagues because he's a
1: he won't be for too, for too much longer. I don't think. know <laughs> that kid
0: is a stud. He is going places.
1: Yeah,
0: um, but they were matched up against Oregon State, and Oregon State was like fifty-four and four on the year, and Oregon State had beaten LSU like twelve to one in the first game of the World Series. So it's like I don't have a whole lot of hope that this is going to go well, but LSU beat Oregon state in back-to-back games to Uh make it to the college world series finals, which they eventually lost to Florida. But I was there for the two games they beat Oregon state. And it was just, that was Mm -hmm. probably the closest thing to a dream come true for me that I will ever have. Just because I've probably been an LSU baseball fan since I was about 10 years old. And to see them win two games in Omaha was just absolutely cool. That's awesome, Um, and like I said, even though the atmosphere at the College World Series is not as cool as it was at Rosenblatt, right? It was an it was an amazing thing just to be there and kind of soak it all up, and um, like I said, if you're if you're if you're you're a fan of minor league baseball, you're gonna love the College World Series too.
1: Yeah, um, back to Adley Rushman for a little bit. Um, I've I worked in. Low A for eight years, um, and I've seen him, you know, a couple catchers uh, make it to the big leagues, including Bruce Maxwell, um, who didn't last long for a couple of reasons. But um, but Adley Rutschman is the best catcher I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, and that's including like the major league games that i've put, that i've seen um he is the best defensive catcher he is the best offensive catcher like when he makes it to the majors i really do think like he's gonna set the world on fire
0: i think so too and I was, it was, it's always surprising that he's still in the minors because you know it's obviously there's got to be a log jam in the system or something like that but yeah, um, when I saw he was still in the minors, I'm like, "How? Like that guy's got every tool that you could ask for out of a player."
1: Well, I think, How? I think, um, you know, the Orioles aren't gonna really go anywhere this season, so I think that right. they're just gonna wait until next year to to bring him up because I don't yeah. think they if. If they don't bring him up next year, I, I I just don't see a reason why not to really right um, exactly. He's in AAA right now, um, killing it. Um, he's right. yeah he's.
0: Well, and that's something fun that I do too is when I look back at all this, the the games I've been to. Um, I don't know if I was really bored at work one day or what, but I put together a spreadsheet with a box score of every game that I've been to. Okay. Um, and it's fun to click on the box scores and go, God, like this game in 2014, I had no idea who Corey Kniebel was. Mm -hmm. I had no idea who Gio or was at the time. Um, James McCann, um, Jesus Aguilar, who later played for the Brewers here. Yeah. Um, but in that one game, there was seven, eight, nine, 10, 15, 17 guys that played in a Triple A game that later went on to play in the major leagues.
1: Yeah, that's why. And it's fun
0: to go. You know, I saw these guys five years before they made it. Yeah. Um, I don't remember anything about you know anything that particular that happened, um, but just to say that you know you saw the guys long before they made it was just it's really cool to kind of have that little feather in your cap.
1: Yeah. There's a there's a couple guys that are in the majors right now that I definitely didn't think they were going to. Um, there's a guy that came through came through Beloit and he's in the big leagues now. Um, he's on the Red Sox actually. I'm not gonna drop his name or anything, but um, that that kid he was so immature when he when he came through Beloit. Now, granted, that was the first time he was he had come to the U.S. Um, he was very young um, and immature, right. and didn't know a whole lot of English. I think he knows more than what he led on, to, led us on to. Um, yeah. But and he he led the league that he led the Midwest League in errors that year, and Amazon okay. and Amazon deliveries. I'm pretty sure. So um, because I was the guy that had to go th- go. Wow. You know, into the clubhouse all the time because I was the media relations guy, so I was always the right. one taking back the the boxes that all those guys got. But that's yeah. funny. Yeah. Now, yeah. Now he's now he's with Boston. I'm just like, how the heck did that happen? I don't understand. But
0: right. Well, you know, there's there's gotta be just so many different things that at sometimes the switch goes off for somebody and they go, well, if I'm gonna make a career of this, I better start paying attention or playing better, whatever it is. Yeah. um, And a lot of it is just, you know, what the club above you has a need for. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there's probably so many guys that were just stuck in the minors for forever because whatever parent club they had didn't have a spot for them. Right. And then some of the guys like that guy that you mentioned that was like, how, how the heck did he make it? But. Somehow, lo and behold, he did, but... Right. Like, I think it's always fun to look back and go, you know, it's amazing to see how many guys from whatever team I was looking at at the time ended up making it into the big show.
1: Yeah. Um, so you said earlier that you lived in Louisiana. Um, what, what brought you there? Um, and then I think you, you threw out a minor, or you threw out a first pitch for the, um... The baby The the baby cakes at the time? Okay.
0: The New Orleans baby cakes. There you go. Yeah, so growing up, um, most of my family was here in the Midwest, either Wisconsin or uh, a little bit in Chicago area. Okay. Uh, But I had one uncle who decided to just kind of get away from everything, and when he graduated college, he took a job in Baton Rouge and worked at a power plant down there.
1: Oh, cool.
0: Um, And every year for Christmas, he would either send me LSU stuff or he'd send me Saints stuff. So the Saints have always kind of, kind of been my backup football team.
1: Okay. Um,
0: and it worked out really cool because at that time, the University of Wisconsin had just gotten rid of their baseball program
1: yeah.
0: um, back when Title IX came along and stuff like that. Um, so there was no college baseball in Wisconsin that I knew of at the time. True. Um, I think right now we just have one Division One team. And that's the University of Wisconsin, Milwaukee.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, okay. But so I, I started following LSU baseball, and it worked out pretty well for me because from '91 to '99, they won five national championships. And wow. back in that day, there was literally like one college baseball game on TV a year, and that was the finals of the College World Series. And right, I remember watching CBS back in the day and going. I'm probably the only kid in Wisconsin that cares about this college baseball game between (laughs) LSU and Stanford. Um, But my uncle, you know, got me on the hook pretty early. And um, I followed LSU baseball all through the 90s. And then I was probably 21, 22 and kind of just kicking around Wisconsin, going, what am I going to do with myself? And um, my aunt and uncle down there actually adopted five kids from a pretty terrible family. Oh gosh. And I said, well, like I could always, you know, go down there and see if I like it down there. And I, I visited a couple times and you know, it was, I probably visited when it wasn't a
1: thousand degrees down there. So I'm <laughs> like, Oh, this is nice down here. Yeah. Um, I decided to move to Louisiana
0: to quote unquote, help my aunt and uncle with their kids and. Um, I definitely did that for a, a good bit. And then um, to me, I think it was more of a escape route to get out of Wisconsin because I sure. didn't want to be one of those people that lives in one spot their entire life. So yeah, um, I went down there and I was down there for about five years, uh, went through Hurricane Katrina and, mm. you know, didn't really suffer too much I think my apartment was out of power for about 10 days okay which was chaos but I really enjoyed my time down there but as you know after after Hurricane Katrina like Baton Rouge changed to where they felt like half of New Orleans was living in Baton Rouge and you couldn't just go to a restaurant and eat because there was a half hour 45 minute wait anywhere you went and Mm -hmm. the whole atmosphere changed so I decided to move back home and, uh, you know, that's when I got hooked up with the Admirals gig back yeah. then. Uh, but I always try to get back down to Louisiana every couple years, yeah. um, whether I go down for LSU baseball season and try to catch a couple games um, or if I get down there for an LSU football game. Um, and I've got a friend who was a New Orleans Baby Cakes season ticket holder
1: <laughs> um,
0: in their short two or three years of existence that they lasted. Yeah. Before um, they pulled up and left town,
1: right? Um, and one of their perks was,
0: as a season ticket holder, they just handed a coupon to say, Well, "I'm going to throw out the first pitch of this baseball game." Um, and thanks to my friend Chris True um, down in New Orleans, he decided to pass that coupon off to me because he knew I was such a big fan of minor league baseball. And um, lo and behold, I got to throw out the first pitch and. Uh no one will be able to tell if it was bounced or not, but huh. um of course it wasn't bounced. It was a perfect strike, right? There you go. Um
1: like George Bush. But
0: it's cool, I've still got I've still got the ball from my first pitch and you know it's one of those things where if you, you've you been to so many games and you've seen countless first pitches, to be the guy out there on the mound, like looking around going, Oh wait, this is my turn, it was kind of freaky at the time, but Yeah. Um I absolutely cherished and I love the opportunity to do something
1: like that. That's cool that's cool um, my buddy my buddy Nate Metz got to throw out a first pitch he's he's the producer of this podcast and um, you know he helped me get everything set up and get started um, but he worked in the press box with me in Beloit. that's how we know each other and he that's- he got our manager at the time to to catch his first pitch. Um, because he was always he was the official scorer, so he would, you know, go into the clubhouses and and give the um, the box scores to the coaches and stuff like that. Um, right. But but yeah, he got our manager, who's who's now the manager for um, the AAA Las Vegas Aviators now. So okay. um, awesome, yeah. <laughs> so I thought that was always pretty cool. Um, I have yeah. I have yet to throw out a first pitch at a game, so I'll have to get on that.
0: It's one of those things where I bet you, if you just asked around, like, yeah, you'll find a club that'll go, sure, why not? Like, you don't, you know, it doesn't cost them anything to do it, so yeah, um, you know, what does it hurt to ask, right?
1: Right, right.
0: Um, and it was so you're talking about friends and you know, people that you've worked with and stuff like that. It really made me laugh when Paul was talking about the baseball community on Twitter, and I think, yeah. without without having that community on Twitter, I don't know if any of us would have made it through the whole pandemic.
1: True, true. Um, Just
0: because, you know, I know at one point I was part of a Twitter um, group of people that all travel to different games and um, at some point that just got overwhelming, so I bowed out of that group. Um, But it's just awesome to see people who are out there and traveling and
1: you know, even, even in the quote unquote pandemic, you know, people that
0: are getting out there and traveling and seeing baseball and kind of living vicariously through them.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, uh, it's been really fun to see. I know there's Malcolm, the traveler guy or whatever, who's up in Canada. Uh-huh. He went like 768 days between baseball games.
1: Oof.
0: And it's like, man, like that's such, that's, that's such a tough thing to do. Like, especially for people like him, like that's, that's what he's known for is going to baseball games. Right. Right. Um, and I think I lucked out a little bit because we had the Milwaukee Milkmen
1: in yeah. the American Association played last a limited schedule last season. Yep. Um, so I was one of a few,
0: you know, groups of people that actually got to see live baseball last year because everything else was shuttered down. Yep. Um, so that was kind of fun to, you know. And I think a lot of people, you know, it's it's interesting to like look at where I've been, where I've been to. You know, I'm not afraid to go to independent leagues. I'm not afraid to go to, you know, triple-A minor or triple-A, double-A, AA, single-A. Like, um, there's a lot of people that are, like, only minor. They're, they're, they're like, so focused on just the minor league baseball stuff. But, like, I love going to stuff. I don't I don't care if it's an independent league game. I love going to see those, those too, just because it's a different experience and, Oh, yeah. You know, some guys, some, sometimes those guys are pushing even harder to get noticed than guys that are, that are in, an, in affiliated baseball.
1: Yeah, yeah. You're, you're not wrong about that. Um, um, so
0: it's always cool to see a guy get called up to a affiliated team from the Milkmen. Yeah. Um, just because, you know, to get noticed at such a lower level like that is awesome.
1: Yeah, I I agree. Yeah, that's super cool. Also, in your uh, Twitter bio, you say that you're a root beer connoisseur.
0: Oh, gosh.
1: Um, so so how did you become a root beer connoisseur?
0: Self-made, uh, man. Like, just <laughs> you go out there and you start trying root beers and all of a sudden you tried about as many as you can possibly try. Um, I don't know. It's one of those goofy things where, like, you know... Colas all taste like cola. Like, if you were to blind taste test, you know, you could probably tell the difference between Coke and Pepsi. Yeah. But once you get different other colas, like, there's... Cola all taste pretty much the same. But it's weird that, like, root beer, like, there is a huge scale of root beer of bitterness to smoothness. Mm-hmm. Um, so one day, I just... I think I was at one of those goofy... Um, Rocket fizz stores,
1: okay. Um,
0: where they like have a huge variety of sodas, and I'm like, wow, I can try like six different root beers and build my own six pack. Um, and I did that, and I was such there was such a difference in the taste between all of them that I was like, anytime I saw a root beer that I hadn't tried before, I just, you know, I said, well, I got to try this one now too. And yeah. um, at one point, before I moved, a handful of times. I think I had, like, 50 different bottles of root beers that I had tried. Okay. But once you move 50 bottles from one place to another place, you're like, I'm never collecting bottles ever again. (laughs) Um, So I kind of got a mental list of what I have had and what I haven't had. Okay. I'm not really serious about it, but if I'm at a place that makes their own root beer, I'll give it a try. Yeah. I've got a couple favorites to where if I see them. out in the wild, as I say, I always pick up a six pack. Okay. Um but not not too much of a guru about it at all. I just kind of
1: Well, I was thinking about
0: me is a little goofy, so I just (laughs) added to the list of goofy things about me.
1: Alright, alright, fair enough. I was gonna say we should do a impromptu Mount Rushmore of root beers. Of our favorite root beers So Basically, it'll be, like, um, like a draft, and we'll just pick, like, our top four. And since you're the guest, you can go oh. first.
0: Well, oh, I think my favorite of all time is a company called Frosty. Okay. Um, I think they're based out of Detroit, or the Michigan area. Um, and Frosty has always been the creamiest, smoothest to go down rip beers, so... I like think okay. Frosty
1: would have to be my number one pick. Okay, um, I'm gonna go on that has alcohol in it, but it's still pretty good. Not your father's root beer. Uh huh. Yeah, I have not really. I've I've tried a couple of the quote unquote hard root beers and. They're okay, yeah, but I'm
0: not a huge fan of it. So, if you want to draft those two, three,
1: and four, be my guest. Okay, um,
0: as far as my second pick will go, I will go with the local pick out of Glendale, Wisconsin, just north of Milwaukee. Sprecher root beer, okay, um, is absolutely delicious. It all depends, like, sometimes it has more of a honey taste than a root beer taste, okay, but uh, Sprecher root beer and a good. Local Milwaukee Custard will make a fine root beer float any day of the week.
1: Ooh, okay. I like that. Um, I'm going to go with um, a Philadelphia one. Um, Hank's root beer. Uh Aha, I've had Hank's.
0: I always see Hank's because it's it's one of the more widely produced root beers. Yeah. And I know I've had it, but I have no recollection of if it was good or
1: not. Like it didn't stand
0: out, and it was like, "Oh, I should try this again if I ever see it." Right. Um, But you know, it's it's like I said, it's one of the more widely available root beers, so more power to it. Like let 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 it get out there and be known. Those
1: are probably the ones that I'm gonna pick. Are the are the widely distributed ones? So
0: yeah, I'm sure. Uh, Was it my yeah. Well, if you're going to pick widely produced ones, I'm going to steal A&W before
1: Ooh, you do. Okay. Um, just because of
0: the big, I think it's a, the big three, I guess, between like A&W, Barks, and Mug. Um, Barks does have too much bite for me. Okay. Um, Mug has never tasted good to me. I don't know what it is, but Mug has never tasted good to me. So I'm going to steal A&W then before you start taking the widely produced ones.
1: Okay. That's fine. I'm going to go with Stewart's for my next pick. Stewart's.
0: Stewart's is a good one. Yeah. Um, Stewart's is one of those. Where if I see it on sale, I might grab it. Yeah. Um, I don't go out of my way to grab it, but um, Stewart's is a damn fine red beer. Okay. Um, so for my last one, I'm going to go uh, with a little known. Uh, I think it started from like the drive-in restaurant era um, a place called
1: dog and suds. Ooh. Okay. Um, for, I I don't know where they're based
0: out of or where they're, um, from. I know there's one that's just on the other side of the Illinois border from Lake Geneva.
1: Really?
0: Um, but it's one of those, like, you know, the, the girls come out on roller skates kind of thing. Oh
1: yeah, yeah.
0: Um, they make their own root beer on site. Um, but it's also available. Um, Okay. wherever you can find Rupier, too. So that'll be my fourth and final Mount Rushmore Rupier.
1: Okay, my fourth and final will be IBC.
0: Okay.
1: IBC is, is always good.
0: Yeah, definitely another respectable Rupier. So um, I'm glad we were able to find the eight different ones because, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I'd, hate, I'd I... hate for us to not have one
1: of the heads on the Mount Rushmore of Rupee. I, I know. Um, I actually pulled it pulled up like a like some article. Twenty three best rupier brands in the world. And I was like, I was like, oh, all right. I know a handful of these. I, I can do this. So, there you go. All right. Um, I was going to ask you when you were talking about the. the I, I remember what I was going to ask you about now. When you were talking about the um, like the online like Twitter family of like baseball fans and minor league baseball fans and yeah and those people that work in minor league baseball now um so how did you hear about the pulling tartan podcast
0: oh my god that's a million dollar question isn't it yeah i actually have the answer off the top of my head <laughs> um i'm gonna go back through the list of episodes here real quick as we're yeah. on the fly yeah um Because I'm not sure who it was that you had on, but obviously it was someone that I followed. Okay. um, That I went, oh, like, and I'm not a a really big podcast guy. Like, I don't really have the temperament to sit down and just listen to people babble for an hour. Oh,
1: okay. I got you. Great that I'm on this because I'll never (laughs) listen to it. But, um, God,
0: man. Well, you did have Ben Hill on um, in August 27th of
1: 2020.
0: Yeah. And that shows up as the first time I listened to oh, one of the podcasts. so maybe
1: it was him. Okay.
0: So I'm guessing it was Ben Hill. Okay. Um, and gosh, we, we all wish we could be like Ben Hill to get paid to go see. I know. Um, but the, the funny thing is, I think in the last two years, I've probably been to more games... Than Ben has been to right, um, which is shocking in and of itself. Yeah, um, he
1: also just had a child, so that, I guess we'll give him a little true, bit of leeway yeah. on that. Um, but
0: um, it's it, it's been it's been fun, you know. Like I said, even traveling through a pandemic to see where I've been the last couple, of, you know, last two years. Yeah, granted, last year was only the Milwaukee Milkmen. Okay, um, but then this year. I finally took a trip over to Iowa, and I saw the Iowa Cubs, Okay, and then I saw uh, um, the Cedar Rapids Colonels. Um, I've always been a closet Cedar Rapids Colonels fan, Ooh. just because their mascot is a stalk of corn, and his name is Mr. Shucks.
1: Yeah. And
0: for some reason, that just tickled me to death, that his name was Mr. Shucks.
1: So I, I'll tell you a story about Mr. Shucks. Um, oh boy. So... I went to Cedar Rapids for the Midwest League All Star Game. Um, That's that you know, Beloit doesn't give you much amenities um, when you work there. Um, You know, so so they try to do what they can, and they you know they tell the staff like hey like if you help get the players to to the all-star game like we'll pay for like your hotel room and and stuff like that and, and once you once you get there um you know most drinks and food are are, are free um so so it's always a nice touch um so mm-hmm. we go to the all-star break and um I'm walking around, they they have like a little like happy hour like meet and greet like get a tour of the stadium thing when you get there and i you know i got my beer in my hand and i'm with i'm with my buddy Timmy um, who was the first guest on this podcast um, and he's he was a groomsman in my wedding and um, i'm walking around the stadium and i was like and there's pictures of Mr. Shucks like everywhere right uh, as there sh- as there should be and I was, I said to him, I said, do you think there's anything weird about these pictures? And, and he goes, what do you mean? And I go, Mr. Shucks is in like the most seductive poses. I like, like they, like, he's like, you, you know, like the typical, like, um, lay down with like your, your elbow on the ground and like, you're, you're like, you know, laying, um, horizontally oh, yeah. and and like you're just you know like with a smile on and i was just like well that's weird and then like there's just like a couple of other ones that like were just like super seductive like i think there was one with him like licking an ice cream cone and i was just like i don't that's amazing yeah i was i was just like this is kind of creeping me out honestly and then
0: i Think doesn't his face like his tongue is like half out all the time? Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, that's, that's just creepy in and of itself. Yeah, like, let's not let's not do that, Mister Mister Shucks. Um,
1: but Cedar Rapids is a fun town to go out in. I'll I'll tell you that much. Um, and and to go to, um, a Cedar Rapids game is is a lot of fun. So I I would highly suggest it for sure. Yeah, I
0: definitely. Uh, it's, it's one of those places where. Um, you know, it's, it's it it was maybe, it was, maybe it was memorable just because, um, you know, I think the last this whole season in and of itself too is like, you know, there's not a lot of people that are out there and about and um, you know going places during a pandemic is maybe not the smartest move, but not All that right. wood, I've been healthy so far.
1: Good. Um,
0: but then I took a trip to I this is a dream come true trip. I took a train trip down to. Um, Bloomington, Indiana or Bloomington, Illinois Okay Um, uh, we'll see there. Um, I think there's a Frontier League team down there
1: Oh, okay They have
0: the Normal Corn Belters
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah yep.
0: If you've never seen the logo for the Normal Corn Belters You should it's really awesome. just Google it Because it literally looks like a stoned corn cob
1: Yeah, it's awesome
0: And <laughs> I've always wanted to get down there for a game So I decided to make that happen this year Okay Um, I I think if you if you if you're paying attention to baseball in general, you've probably heard of the Savannah Bananas this year. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was going to ask what, you about
1: those about that.
0: What they're doing down there is phenomenal. Like the the social media interest they're getting, the interest that they're getting from places like Sports Illustrated.
1: Okay. Um,
0: you know, you see the highlights of the of the goofy stuff they're doing, like. You know, the guy walks up with a golf bag full of baseball bats and he's got a um, golf caddy with him. And it's like, is this even real life? Is this happening during a baseball game? <laughs> uh, and he pulls out binoculars and he's like looking at the, he's looking at the hole from 300 yards away.
1: Yeah. Um, and, you know, well, that stuff is
0: funny, like they're actually a really good baseball team too. Like okay. they have one. Um, multiple times now they've won the Coastal Plains League which is a college league um, kind of like the Northwoods League is in Wisconsin Right. that the uh, Madison Mallards are in and the Lakeshore
1: Chinooks mm-hmm. um, but Savannah Bananas like
0: they get known for all their goofy stuff but when it comes to playing baseball like they're a damn good team too and it's like they don't you know, start getting goofy until they get like a big, you know, seven to two lead or something like that. Oh, and really? like Every player out there trying to outdo the other players with goofy stuff, and um, their fan experience is the top experience I've ever experienced at really? any sporting event I've ever been to. Yeah,
1: um,
0: it's it's eighteen bucks a ticket. Okay, it's kind of it's kind of general admission. Their okay. stadium is like a thousand years old, like literally a thousand right old. like there's just rickety benches and like for a big dude like me there's really no comfortable seating anywhere okay um they've got some bleachers and stuff down the line and stuff like that which is cool but for 18 it includes all of your general food and drink
1: too oh um interesting. so they just have a buffet line set up of hot dogs
0: burgers chicken sandwiches chips mm-hmm. sodas um, cookies, and it's like for 18 bucks, it includes everything.
1: Okay, um, that's not so bad. You're not, gonna
0: find, you're not gonna find a better deal anywhere either no. because, with the exception of that Rockford Ice Hogs dollar beer, dollar hot dog night, of course. Yeah, um,
1: <laughs> that's true. But you
0: know, the, 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 the pe- all of the people around the bananas are phenomenal too. Like, um, just every, every touch point that the office has what people is amazing like I ordered a t-shirt and they called me to thank me for my order they called me to let me know my order was on the way huh. when I got my t-shirt order they threw in a free can koozie and a sticker and That's cool. a signed letter from the office saying thank you for purchasing our stuff huh. um, they contact you when you buy tickets and say hey thanks for buying tickets they contact you a couple days after the game to say, Hey, how how was your experience?
1: Huh? Um, Okay.
0: And to go that extra mile with the customer service aspect of it is just incredible. Yeah. Um, I'm sure a lot of teams out there don't have the manpower to pull stuff like that. off. No,
1: that's for sure.
0: But you know, in
1: Beloit, we barely had the manpower to pull tarp. So
0: (laughs) exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so my my experience on there was absolutely phenomenal this year. Um, I realized pretty late in the summer that I didn't have plans for Labor Day weekend, and okay. I'm like, "Gosh, like where could I go? Like, I've been pretty much everywhere that's easy to get to in the Midwest. Uh-huh. Um, Dayton is not an easy place to get to. No, for me. it's not. <laughs> um, uh, what is the team up in Midland, Michigan? the Great Lakes Loons. Yeah,
1: they tough to get to, get to. to. yeah.
0: Um, but I kind of pulled up a map of like, I pulled up that baseball map that uh, I think that we're all using now. Yeah. As every team and every organization kind of went, where could I even go that like, I could get to a couple of games within a, a two or three day span easily. Right. Um, and I literally opened up the Southwest Airlines app and I went every single city that Milwaukee flies to going, is there a cheap flight here or right. there or back? Okay. And since it was Labor Day weekend, everything was like three or $400. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I am not in that,
1: that financial range. place to be able <laughs> to right.
0: afford that. Right. Um, so I literally got down to Oklahoma City, and there was like a $120 flight to Oklahoma City. And I'm like... okay. Are the Dodgers home that weekend? Oh, my God. The Dodgers are home that weekend. Okay. And then I went to that baseball map, and I was like, "Where else is close? And I'm like, oh, Tulsa's right there, too. Yeah. I said, is Tulsa home that weekend? And sure enough, they were home that weekend, too. So I literally um, booked my flight for Oklahoma City and then Tulsa um and spent a weekend in Oklahoma because Oklahoma was one of the states I've never been to yet
1: yeah I've never been and I've not
0: taken the Dodgers game and the Tulsa Drillers game and uh made a good weekend out of it. that was really cool too
1: yeah that's pretty cool um so out of your everywhere that you've traveled what has been your favorite place to go to and that can include the stadium or the city in general
0: God, yeah. Um, I, <laughs>
1: if I'm gonna do, I I'd probably have to do another Mount Rushmore things here. Okay. Because <laughs> I can't just put one over the
0: other. Um, and I think I've talked about them all here too. I my my weekend in Savannah was really cool. Um, it was a thousand degrees down there, which for a big dude like me, just wasn't comfortable at all. But okay. Um, the baseball was cool. The food was free. Yeah, and you can't really beat that. No. Um, Fort Wayne is always going to be a gem For me um, Just because of how unexpected it was That it was going to be amazing To be there Um, And Fort Wayne has something that is literally A life goal of mine Fort Wayne is one of the baseball stadiums Built into the downtown area That has apartments that overlook the baseball stadium
1: Oh yeah
0: And at some point that is going to be Where I'm living Is somewhere where I can just open my back back door and have a baseball field right
1: there um so my buddy timmy that i was talking about he used to work in birmingham and he was telling me number one how cheap it is to live in birmingham alabama and number what's two from alabama what's that i
0: said that's because it's birmingham alabama. well
1: they they have those apartments in the outfield of the stadium and nice. he and he was telling he was telling me what the rent was, and it was extremely affordable. So huh. if you want to <laughs> if you want to uh, move to Birmingham, Alabama, I think you could get one of those apartments. Oh, uh,
0: man, that's still Birmingham though.
1: I know, <laughs> I know. Um,
0: it's it, it, I think they're creeping up more and more though, because I know Lansing just built some apartments. Yeah. Um, when I was in. Uh oh, man Tulsa had some apartments that were going up right across the street. Okay. Um Oklahoma City has a hotel across the street, which is kind of almost the same thing, but not really. Right. Um but yeah, so someday at some point when I retire from whatever I'm doing, I'm gonna have a a, a back porch that overlooks the baseball field. Heck yeah. Um so That's yeah, the dream. Savannah, Fort Wayne. My overall experience in Omaha was phenomenal just because of the College World Series, but also they have the best zoo in the country okay. that I've been to. Um, I haven't been to the San Diego Zoo yet, but I think that's the only um, zoo that might c- touch it as yeah. far as being as good of a zoo as Omaha is. Okay. Um, and then, gosh, let's try to pick a, a fourth one here. Yeah. Um, Man, either Memphis or Louisville. Both okay. of those stadiums are really cool. Um, both of those stadiums can easily fill in as a professional stadium if ever needed to be.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, just because the stadiums are just really cool. I love that they're both right in the downtown area. Like Miller Park is fun, but Miller Park is kind of on an island here in Milwaukee where. Yeah. It's it, built for tailgating. I'm, I'm going to drive in downtown, but.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, I think the, the stadiums that have been able to build themselves into the downtown area, um, It's just there's always so much more going on. Yeah. Um, and it's easy to get around, and you know there's hotels that are right around the corner and stuff like that. So um, I think that's the way to go for the future of building stadiums if they can cram one into a downtown area. I think that's a really cool way of doing it.
1: Yeah, I mean Miller Park is is great, and but it was it was built for for tailgating. There, like, there's no bars or anything like that, like within walking distance of the stadium. Right. So yeah, and
0: especially yeah. if you're having to walk sober to the game and drunk coming back, you're there's no there's no chance for you to find a place to do that around Miller Park. Yeah.
1: Right. Um, it's like I said, it's kind of on an island and. You know, it's it,
0: like you said. It's a great place to tailgate, um, but uh, there's really not a whole lot of livelihood around it other than that. Unfortunately,
1: right. Um, what was your best food and beverage experience in in your travel so far?
0: Oh man, um, the ice the the ice cream and apple crisp in a helmet in Fort Wayne okay. is right up there. Uh, but I will say, the Akron Rubber Ducks had a thing when I was there that year called the Three Dog Night. Okay. And it was literally, I'm going to get this wrong, but it's something like a hot dog inside of a bratwurst inside of an Italian sausage.
1: Whoa.
0: So literally like three dogs in one.
1: Whoa. And, yeah, like, wild.
0: you just, you you go to buy and you're like, look at me, I'm a glutton, just give me the fat guy hot dog and I'll go out my way and, <laughs> Neither one of us will talk about this experience the rest of our lives. Right. Um, So that's been one of the most unique things that I've seen. Okay. Um, Where I forget where I was recently, but they had oh, Savannah had the garbage, the garbage can nachos. Where Uh, they bring out nachos. This wasn't included in the all-you-can-eat thing. mm -hmm. um, But they bring out nachos on a literally garbage trash can lid (laughs) and if you've got three or four friends like it's it's a reasonable thing to do
1: okay um
0: i think if they would have brought me brought one to me by myself they probably would have said uh this isn't built for one yeah (laughs) um but so seeing like a pile of nachos the size of a trash can is always fun to see yeah um and, you know, anytime you have an opportunity to get any sort of food out of a helmet, it literally just tastes better
1: that it way. It does. It does. Listen to the last episode for about that.
0: <laughs> yep, exactly. Did my homework.
1: Yeah, there you go. Perfect. Thank you. Um, so, anything else you, you want to talk about, Jason, before we wrap things up?
0: No, I think we pretty much hit it all.
1: Yeah. Um, you
0: know, like and I I, I hate to keep referring back to last week's episode, but
1: so much of it stuck out to me. It was like, you know, where would I be without the wisdom and knowledge of the baseball Twitter
0: community? Um, You know, like I said, whether it's people like Paul or people like Ben Hill, like I still, whenever I travel to a new stadium, I still pull up Ben's articles from, whether he was there five, six years ago. Oh, yeah,
1: they're still relevant, it's, for sure.
0: They are, yeah. Um, when I was in Tulsa, I got my lunch at a place that
1: Ben mentioned in his article, and I was okay. like, how do people exist before,
0: you know, the internet and Twitter existed? Like, yeah. um, I'm sure it's actually probably a lovely existence before Twitter existed. But um, it's, it's just fun seeing people that are out there you know, experiencing things that you enjoy so much um, and living, like, living vicariously through them and, you know, always keeping that buck list of places you want to go in the future.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and just, you know, it just keeps that carrot dangling from one summer to the next. And, you know, schedules are coming out for next year, so I'm kind yep. of looking at them exactly. going... Well, I'd like to go to Albuquerque at some point. Yeah. Where can I, where can I find that's around Albuquerque, and you know, try to put together like an Albuquerque to Amarillo to, okay, um, Frisco, Texas trip.
1: There you go. Um,
0: but you know, it's like I said, it's the it's really cool how there is a community on Twitter that you can go to that has goofy knowledge that can help out in situations like that so Mm
1: -hmm.
0: um many thanks to the baseball mapper people and people like paul and ben that are out there that are a plethora of information to uh keep us all moving in the same direction
1: yeah absolutely for sure um so jason where can the listeners find you on social media
0: oh gosh if you have any desire to ever do that um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> my, my Twitter is a hodgepodge of
1: I love uh, your Twitter feed things
0: I'm happy about things I'm pissed off about things I'm making fun of uh but you can find me at Jason Bon 9 which is J-A-S-O-N B is in boy O-H-N as in Nebraska and the number 9 on Twitter um or Instagram I uh I do that too okay um but, uh, yeah, if, if there's anyone... If I if I get any followers, I will definitely shout people out because, um, you know, the, the more the merrier, as they say.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to follow you on Instagram now. Oh, Lord. There we go. All right. Perfect. All right. And um, so I know you've listened to a good amount of the episodes, um, probably while you're traveling, the majority of them. But... Um, yeah what has been your favorite walk-up song at the games you've been to, and whose was it? That's
0: funny. I literally did some homework on this after listening to the last episode. I I know I had mentioned them on Facebook in the past, Um, so I actually went to Facebook, the good old Facebook archives to figure out what I had mentioned. Um, And I think two of them... um, So, September 16th, 2011. Don't even know where I was at the time. Let me see if I can pull up the list real quick. I was in a Minnesota Twins game against Cleveland. Okay. And Jake Hubel came up to Brass Monkey by the Beastie Boys.
1: Ooh, okay. And that
0: was just a fun throwback that I wasn't expecting at the time.
1: Right. Um, um, on my
0: toledo and akron trip i must have made a point to pay attention to the walk up songs because i had one listed from each night um ben i don't even know how to pronounce his last name Luez of the toledo mud hens he came up to Ada james's at last okay and it was just such an awkward like you know you expect the walk-up music to be like some pump you up music and like right all of a sudden the smooth jazz tones of etta james comes on and you're like wait what what (laughs) it it caught it caught my attention that's for sure right um and then the next night in akron um adam abraham of the akron rubber ducks uses warm it up chris by chris cross as his walk-up song oh and i'm like oh that's good like it would have made more sense if his name was Chris. Yeah. But, hey, it worked for him. Yeah. Um, and I've actually, I've used that question. Um, you were talking about dating apps before. I always ask people, if you had a walk-up song, what would your walk-up song be when I'm like vetting people on dating websites? Okay. Um, so it's cool that, you know, it came up in conversation. Uh, but for me... Um the band Yellow Card was a old rock band, probably in the early two thousands. Yep. Uh, but they had like a violin or something in their band.
1: Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yep.
0: And Ocean Avenue was their biggest hit. Yep. Um, uh, but a couple years later they came out with a song called Lights and Sounds. And I've always said that like that song gets me pumped up more than anything else. So okay. my walk-up song would be Lights and Sounds by the band
1: yellow card okay very cool very cool all right man well thank you so much for taking the time to come on to the pulling tart podcast really appreciate it and absolutely um, and yeah um let's stay in touch and uh and just thank you again
0: no problem. We will uh, see where we cross paths next year, maybe.
1: Absolutely. Hello, you. How was the rest? You made it through, but nevertheless, I got you.
0: You've listened to the Pulling Tart Podcast, distributed by Stoveleg Media. Make sure you check out our page at stoveleg.com to learn more about Bobby and the rest of the show. Stoveleg Media, igniting conversation.